Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Around the League show on the RedmondTV.com. My name is Ben Kelly. Join me in the studio is Mr. Ross Chanley. And joining us over video call is Matt Cooper of Talking Wolves and apparently Talking Bites. Is that now a thing, Matt? Matt yeah. Cooper bites. Matt Cooper Matt bites. Cooper bites. Yes, I said mate. that. I went. No, it says right. So well, it does say right. I know. I know it existed. <laughs> and then on on your thing, it says Matt Cooper right. So I just assumed yeah. that either it's some old correct had gone on, or, or I was an idiot. Yeah. Well, you just you just made us read it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah uh, Matt. I mean, we. By the way, as well, we are waiting for a very as on time as always. Louis Benaventi might show up at some stage. He's going to come in like Stone over, Cold Steve Austin over the he? next over the next forty <laughs> minutes. Um, but yeah, Matt, tell us about your latest escapade. Um, what is it all about? And give us a little bit of an insight into what sort of things you're doing. Yeah, of course, mate. So my, my, I think that the, the spin-off comes from my, my my Twitter and Instagram handles are M Cooper writes and. For about a year now, I've been banging the drum of tandoori mixed grills in the Midlands. Um, it's a it's a Midlands special, really. It's um, like tandoori chicken, chicken tikka, uh, shish kebab, all on like a skillet with onions, and they come out. It comes out steam, and it's 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 superb. And every time I post on Twitter saying like oh, I'll put a picture up of this mixed grill, people are like these are unbelievable. And it's it a lot of people say that. You, you do get a lot of people saying, come and try this place, come and try this place. And everyone thinks that their local mixed grill place, which is loads in the Midlands, is the best. So I thought, you know what? M. Cooper Wrights, we could have we could have Matt Cooper Bites. We could we could go on a little tour. Like content so, to me. Oh, mate, I, I'm sniffing it. If there's content to be had, I'm there, mate. Um, so, yeah, we started, started up a YouTube channel, Matt Cooper Bites. The um, episode one premieres tonight. It's a spinny in West Bromwich. And... It's a bit of a passion project, mate, and I just hope people enjoy it and spread the awareness of how good mixed grills are. And if we can, if we can make a good series out of it, there'll be series two, which is finding the best orange chips in the West Midlands. Um, sorry, you're going to have to tell us what are orange chips. Orange chips. It's are they a... like Perry chips? No, no, no. They're, they're... Oh no, what? no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Show some respect, then. Bloody hell, mate. <laughs> Um, so they're from the black country originally, and I don't. There's not many places outside the black country that serve them. And all the chip, if you're if you're a chip shop worth your salt, pardon the pun, in um, in the black country, you'll serve orange chips. So they're essentially like battered chips in like a, they're like in an orange coating. No one really knows what the uh, what's what the batter's made out from, but trust me, once you've no tried orange really chips, <laughs> no one really knows. It's like the herbs and spices for KFC, mate. No, apart from the kernel, no one's got a scuba. <laughs> but um, once once you try orange chips, you'll you'll never go back to eating normal chippy chips. Trust me, they're elite. Not very good for your mind, but most tasty we've, stuff isn't. Is we've it? We've done wolves away, and why didn't we? Why didn't we indulge? I think we were just trying to find a safe place inside the ground. To be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were, we were, we were too being busy. We were too busy being told that there was too much austerity in the, yeah. in, in Liverpool to afford orange yeah. chips. That, that, yeah. that was my overlap. Our fans do love. I um, feed the scousers chant. I, yeah. I'm not on sign on and all that. It's yeah. uh, it's a bit weird, really, because Wolverhampton's a massive dump anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get on to the footy mat, um, which is obviously what what we've got you on for um, and what the show is about. Um, obviously, it's it's kind of a new chapter, really, for Wolves. Obviously, you know, yeah. we're going going into this season, we well, last time we had you on, um, you were very much an advocate for getting rid of Nuno Santo. Um, and I think at that point, I think you were kind of still in a minority. You were talking to us about how, like, you know, you were kind of tooting that horn on Twitter and on, on the YouTube channel and stuff. And you were getting a load of abuse for it. And people say, yeah. you know, you, you, you don't know what you've got until it's gone and, and all of that. 
now's the time. You know, he's got, he's moved on. He's got his move. He's gone to Tottenham. You've got a new manager in. Um, it, it, this is the point. This is, we'll see over the next few months whether you were right all along. I suppose. Yeah, and I, I and I don't think Bruno should be should be judged on the next few months. I think he's coming in with with this obviously Nuno squad, and we've made a couple of signings and stuff. But it's a completely different philosophy to our Nuno setup. Mm-hmm. Um, as 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 you've just mentioned there, I was Nuno out from about January. It's just you could just tell that the bloke didn't want to be there anymore. The football was turgid. It, we, we were the worst team to watch in the league. Make no mistakes about it. If, if Burnley come to Wolves and played the way that we did all season, our fans would be giving Burnley pelters. It was it was really, really bad. Um, and like you, like you just said there, it, it was at the time when we lost to West Brom um, at the Molyneux, uh, the, the 3-2 game. And that's when I put the video out saying he's got to go. And the club looked at sacking him, as 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 has been revealed in the last month or so. They looked at sacking him after that game, but they thought he could be the person to just keep us up. Um, the club ended up pulling the trigger on him, if if I understand correctly. And I'm just I'm just glad he managed to get the send off he deserved at the, on the final day of the season in front of what five thousand fans because he's he's done he's done absolute wonders for the club. You know, taking us from the Championship to the Europa League, but all good things come to an end and. I wish him all the best, but next season he's got to be forgotten about, and you've got to get behind the man Bruno. Sorry, it's, it's, it's part. I remember asking you last time whether it was something to do with having fans in stadiums and not having fans, and you mentioned it there. You know, if you've got if Molyneux full, would you would you think you'd play that way under under Nuno? Do you think he needed those fans back in to give the team a boost, to give him a boost, or you know, even not even a boost? Maybe sometimes it's a kick up the arse because you know as well as I do, yeah. if you're not playing well or someone's having you know, playing scruffy passes, or whatever, the fans kick off and then the atmosphere changes and then you know things can turn that way. But it's difficult for everybody not having fans back and do you think he would have done any better there or do you think it was just the time was done? No, mate, I think it was a saving grace not having fans in because most of most of our, our lot were pro Nuno but I've, it turns it turns sour down the model when things aren't going right and it, it would have been it would have been nasty. Um I, I think if if the if it had been in there for the full season and we'd have served up the football we had done all season, I think it'd have been out the job before the end of the season. I, I really do. Um, and everyone does put it down to, and, and a lot of external fans will say, "Oh, yeah, but you lost your talisman in him." And there's doesn't wash with me, mate. We lost him in November. Like we, we still had the opportunity in January to strengthen. We brought in Willie and Jose. It was an absolute cart horse. Um, and we just we we just played so within ourselves and handbrake football. And you, you look at our squad, and we had we've got Adama, we've got Neto, we've got Pedence, we've got two flying fullbacks in. Nuri and Samedo. So what? 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 Why are we shutting the shop? Let's just have a go. And we were just crying out to just go at teams. But throughout the season, we set up not to lose, not not to win a game. And it was it was just you could just see that it, it was kind of void of all ideas. And even Connor Cody's come out today in the Athletic and said, you know, we love Nuno, but he thought it was time for a freshen up at the club. So I can't have been wrong in what I was saying. If your club captain's thinking that too. Were you a bit smug when he when he when he went and the football was oh, terrible? Just there, like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that no. down? Is that down, Matt? Like partly, uh, obviously, there's a, the Wolves' run for me. I mean, uh, this is from the outside. It looks like Wolves' is run differently to any other club in the league. With obviously the players that you get in and the links that you've got to the Portuguese league and to Portuguese players, is the way that the that Nuno plays 
going to be different at Tottenham because he's got a different set of players and he might have a bit more financial freedom and he's, he, he might have the ability to go out and pick players? Or is that just the way he is? Will, he, will we see the same dire style at Tottenham? Do Tottenham fans have this to look forward to? I really, you know what? I, I really don't know. I, I saw him do an interview. Um, um, I think it was at the weekend. Um, and basically saying, look, it's good to have a big squad. Whereas at Wolves, it was he wanted twenty players and he wanted no more. And it's like, hold on a second, like what's what what's changed? He's a pragmatic coach anyway, and he'll he'll set up. He'll be one thing. There will be he's defensively resolute. Um, and they'll be they'll be hard to beat, and they'll be compact. But I think they'll get a couple of good seasons out of him. But if they if he starts if he starts serving up football that he did in his last season at Wolves, Spurs fans won't Spurs fans won't won't have that. They they've they sat Mourinho who's kind of like for like in terms of playing style. Yet Nuno's not won anything, so it's a bit of a weird appointment for me. I bet Nuno couldn't believe his luck when he got offered the Spurs. Job, but like I said, I, I, I do genuinely wish him all the best as long as it's not against Wolves, obviously. Yeah, I mean, Matt, to be fair, um, it seems like everybody in the world was offered the Tottenham job before Nuno, so yeah, but he can't believe his luck that um, that he ended up landing in it. Um, we've got we've had Louis Beneventi join us, fashionably late as always. Um, give us a wave. Um, Louis, we're, we're on about Wolves, and I'm aware that you've not been privy to any of this conversation so far, but I should, I'm going to ask you a question that you should just be able to answer. Last season, isn't it mad how like your our perception of them kind of changed so quickly? Because like the season before last, it was very much well, you know, Wolves are a side that can take points off the big boys, and you know that they're, they're a little bit of a of a you know a bit of a, a what like a underdog, the yeah, yeah, underdog or like a a dark horse in the sense of you know it, it, when Liverpool were in title chances against Man City and and City were going away to Wolves, that was like a big game and it was like can can Wolves get something against them? And last season, all that seemed to like crumble. They just they just weren't the same. You never expected them to do anything against anybody. Sorry, Matt. I, I think I, that, agree. <laughs> I, I think it was almost the case of it just went all a bit stale, and you kind of I think the back end the back end of the season before, it was when I kind of really noticed it in our last game of the season with Frank Lampard, where we were going for Champions League football. And although Wolves weren't really challenging Frank, well, they were. You were going for Champions League as well, weren't you, at that point? And so it was yeah. us, us yeah, you, yeah. and I think it was Spurs, all going for Champions League football. And you just saw like this staleness within the Wolves team because it, they, it's almost like what this problem at Spurs had, where they've been together for so long. There was nothing new. There was no exciting twists and turns, which we could really be, you know, have teams face up against. And then that kind of just carried on into this season. With the, I think the, tra- the transfers weren't, you know, the strongest. I think that they weren't really moving in the market as we've seen them do in the past. You know, when they signed Ruben Neves, I mean, we were after him. United were after him, and then he goes to Wolves in the Championship. You, you saw the, what, what the Wolves were going to be a problem. Now. Well, now, I mean, as in the 2021 season, I think Nuno just got tired of it. And I think, you know, he wanted a new challenge. He didn't see this, the project going anywhere. It wasn't really moving at the rate. And I think it just kind of all was an amalgamation of that. Hence why I think people started taking them less seriously. I think this season would be interesting to see how they do. Um, but I, th- I think, yeah, I think Nuno, he's gone to Spurs. He's not going to get sacked because I don't think Daniel Levy's ever going to want to... Um, go through what he's been through over the past few months trying to find a manager. Um, but after saying they want to get to some, you know, really exciting football, you know, really great style of football passing, they've got 
you know, a, a Mourinho disciple who very much plays effective, simple, well, I don't know if simple is wrong. It's always effective football, you know, it's get the job done, 1-0, 2-0, shut up, shot. You know, so they've wanted to move away from that, but they're, they're in this position again. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how it goes, but I think, you know, he's he's going to be in a position where he's going to be heavily reliant on Harry Kane. So I've got to see if he's said about as well. Well, it's interesting because there's a similar, sorry, there's right. a similar parallel, I guess, Matt, to rely on Harry Kane and maybe was he over-relying a bit too much on the quality of Jimenez because that for me is was definitely a, a crucial point where either his style of play doesn't work without the focal point of Jimenez or the quality of Jimenez was papering over cracks for longer than that that maybe you would have been seeing. And as soon as he's out with such a long injury and he's not there, you actually see Nuno and, and, and the side for, for what they actually are. I don't know. That's just playing devil's advocate. You'll know more than no, me. No, I, I think I think it's a fair point. I mean, when in, when Jimenez had that awful injury at Arsenal, I think we would. It was the best start we'd made to a Premier League season. However, we were absolutely awful, and we, we were just like I remember putting a tweet out saying, "How bad is this league this season that we are playing absolutely terribly?" Yet we're like, I think we were like fifth. Um, but. Nuno has always wanted a small squad, and I've been saying for years since he come in, we're two or three key key injuries away from being on our asses, and and it happened, and it and it never got addressed. I think if you take Jimenez out of any team, they they'd struggle because he's he's unbelievable. He's he's an unbelievable striker. He's got absolutely everything. So I, I, I do take your point, but it was it was by design that we had this this small squad and to chuck Fabio Silva in at the deep end. Who I think is going to be I think is going to be a really good player, but he's eighteen years of age and he's he's, he's leading the line for a for a club who, who who were for parts of last season in a bit of a relegation scrap, and you can't expect him to come in and, and do the business straight away. I know that I know they paid a ridiculous amount of money for him, and it's obviously a, a, a favour to Porto, but. It just it 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 was by design to have that small squad, so kind of get what you wish for, I suppose. Yeah, I was going to come back. Going to make the point of you also lost Jostra as well, and we lost him for a few months, and we saw the impact it had on us. Mm. But I was going to say, I know he signed up to a project, but do you think there's a case from his point of view where he was getting plays that he didn't necessarily want? Because where everyone takes the piss if you're buying half a half a Portugal and you getting the, getting the players in, and you say he wants a small squad, the quality of players he was getting in wasn't shit, which would count as my own point I'm about to make. But do you think he got got tired of going? We've got this lad for you, we've got this lad for you, and him not necessarily having much input to players. No, because he had the final say on transfers. Did he? Um, him and him and George Mendes are like best mates as well, um, and that's the that's been the problem. Kind of obviously with with Mendes, you you do win and lose at the same time. There's no there's no way that like Neves and, and Jota and Bolly come in, in the in the championship to Wolves, but then you know you. you those players like Neves, he says, not will get moved on. But a couple of transfers that kind of um, stick out for me is that Wolves were offered Danny Olmo, um, who's now at Leipzig, and Nuno said no and decided to sign Pedence because he was a Mendes client. And that kind of stuff for me is unforgivable because we've seen how good Danny Olmo is and we've seen how average Pedence is. Um, had the chance to sign Huang from from Salzburg too and and, and opted against it. And even uh, Payinha, who's now worth thirty million at Sporting, he turned him down. Like Nuno has the final say on transfers, and yeah, it something didn't quite sit right with me on on the transfer policy. But the recruitment's been poor the past couple of seasons. That they're, they're still dining out on signing Neto for like eight million. 
Um, <laughs> and Keanu Hoover. And Keanu Hoover, yeah, that. I mean, yeah, all, all, yeah, thanks very much for that. I mean, I'm sure he's been well worth the money. Um, <laughs> tell, about the new, t- <laughs> tell us about the new guy um, of Bruno, Bruno, La- Bruno Lag, Bruno Lage. It's, Bruno... It, it, it's, it's pronounced Brunelage, but Brun-Lage. I'm not. Oh, stop Brun-Lage. it, oh, Stop <laughs> it. I ran a league, just got continental. Yeah, oh, I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go bold. <laughs> um, Matt, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't have loads of... Head coach's um, experience. So he says that obviously he had a couple of seasons at um, Benfica B and then moved on to Benfica. Very contrasting seasons at Benfica, yeah. um, based on what I was reading. Um, and kind of in the end went off in a direction that, you know, was obviously sacked, lost his job, and now, you know, to move into the Premier League. I know nothing about him. And I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, you know, there's been a couple of pre season friendlies. You know, I'm assuming that um, you, you've read up on him. You've made, maybe watched a bit of his Benfica yeah. side. Now you've seen Wolves. What can we expect? Is it a completely different? style um you know um overall how is he going to get the best out of this squad this small squad oh it, it this the styles are extremely contrasting to 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 nuno he's a he's That's a, a good thing right oh as i've been saying i've been saying this for for a while like as long as i can go to Molineux next season and just enjoy watching us play as long as as long as we're not fighting relegation i'm not i'm not fussed because what we were subject to last season was terrible but brune large is He's an attacking coach. He plays a four-four-two um, with two kind of big number sixes, like a double number six, and um, he, he he also plays with the, the, the two up top. One is kind of like your archetypal number nine, so what Jimenez would be. Then he also plays with like a second striker, which is um, which is what he did with Joao Felix at, at Benfica. The wide players as well are, are prone to coming inside and floating inside, and there's a massive emphasis on the wing backs pushing forward, which suits us down to the ground in, in Samado and Eight Nori. So he, he scores. Bruno Lage scores a lot of goals, mate. He plays attacking football. It's gonna it's gonna be an absolute roller coaster. But it, it'll be nice to see a coach come in and not see us go turn it up and then be happy to shut the shop. I mean, Benfica beat under Bruno Lage. They beat National like ten nil. And you could just see it. I think it was four nil up after like thirty minutes. He was like, "We want more. We want more. We want more." It was just ruthless. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. It's it's going to be a tough task. We obviously the Portuguese leagues, the standard isn't as good as the Premier League, and he's, it has been contrasting for him at Benfica. But they did they did kind of um, sell a lot of players from under his nose in, in the second season. But what he did do in that season before was he broke records. He he promoted the youth. I mean, he brought in. Um, the the centre midfield is Florentine Luis, I think his name is uh, Joao Felix as well. He brought he brought those kind of players through from uh, from the under twenty threes because that's where he worked with them, and they were as you can imagine an absolute sensation. Joao Felix went for what was it eighty ninety million euros something like that. So it's a massive emphasis on youth, um, and I'm just excited to see an attacking brand of football. Absolutely. Um, anything else on Wolves? No. Um, interesting. So, we'll, we, as I say, we'll 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 be interested to see how Wolves get on this season because Matt's very much put his neck on the line with the actually, Bruno out slander from January. What? Yeah. yeah well, actually, what, on, what's babe. what's your predictions for the season? <laughs> or not predictions, expectations? Then I don't I know. You're saying playing attacking style of football, which is all well and good if you're doing that, but if obviously you're not getting the results, then that's no good. You just want to see a, a, a change of, I don't know. Oh, to what you've seen in the past two seasons, I'm, I'm hopefully that impacts your football and your results. Yeah, I think people keep asking me, like, I was with, with a few lads and Saturday, like, what's going to happen at Wolves next season? I was like, until I see who comes in and who goes out, which will mostly be in August, I, I can't 
I can't really say what's going to happen. I think it'll be exciting to watch, and I'd be happy. I'd be happy with like a tenth, eleventh place finish in his in, in Bruno's first season. But I think the signing of Trincao is fantastic business. He's a cracking player, and to you know, with with a, an option to buy for twenty five million, he could come in and get seven, eight goals and assists. It'd be an absolute steal. I expect Neves to go. Uh, and I expect us to sign another centre-back and another central midfielder and potentially another striker too. But I think a lot of it's going to happen in August, mate, as, you, as, as with most clubs. I think that's when it'll start to heat up. But until until I know what our final squad's going to be, it's going to be really hard to predict. But be attacking side. We know only too well how long how how it feels to be waiting until August and late August now until for for transfers to okay. heat up. We're, we're we're under the same we're in the same situation. Um, a brief interlude as we cross to Louis Benaventi in 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 West London. Um, I promised him the chance to have his moment and show us all of his stuff on his wall because I went down the other week and I was allowed to sit with I was allowed, Louis, Louis kindly allowed me to stay with him for a night around the England semi-finals and um, all of this stuff wasn't on the wall yet and he was going through what stuff he had and then he was you know sort of documenting on his Instagram story and this is going to be this is going to be pants by the way for podcast listeners I do apologize but Louis I'm going to give you <laughs> I'm going to give you 2 minutes to explain all the stuff on your wall if you want to fire away uh, so that's the wall um, with things on it. Uh, right, let's talk about Chelsea instead. Um, Louis, um, I, I'm sure you're well aware you won the Champions League. Um, yeah. Congratulations. We've had that conversation um, on, on another show. Um, but, you know, obviously the season went not quite as planned, but in the end it did go as planned because obviously the plan is always to win trophies, but you changed manager and, you you know, you went down the, the Roberto Di Matteo route. Um, how would you build on that? You know, because I think I think when I'm looking at it as a Liverpool fan and I, I'm a little bit worried about Chelsea next season in the sense of, you know, they've got a really good squad, they've got a really good manager. But when you look at it from last season, your top scorer was still Jorginho. So I would I would imagine that the priority is to get the goals sorted, um, whether that is within sorting out Timo Werner's form or bringing in somebody else, such as Erling Haaland. Um, but, you know, that that is how you build on that, I suppose, sustained period, um, you know, scoring loads of goals and just being all round a good, good football team. 100%. I think, yeah, I think getting a centre forward is the big thing. Apparently, we're we're about to table a bid for Haaland for £130 million. Um, Whether or not that happens is whether, uh, you know, by the by. I, I don't think we're going to get him, so it's a case of what we'll figure out who our backup is, what other options are. Um, but I think, yeah, for me, we, we only really need to make two signings. We need to sign a defensive midfielder and we need a centre forward. Um, however we do that deal... Will be interesting. I think if Tammy Abraham leaves, which is what's being touted, we're looking at 40 million. He's either going to go to Arsenal or Villa are interested as well. Um, it's going to be a case of finding out where he goes from there. Um, but, uh, you know, if he goes, we've got an option in the squad. I think it will pick someone up. Uh, I'd be a big fan of Danny Ings. If, I think I think I'd re- I really like him. I think he's a would be a good option at centre forward. Um, Obviously, obviously, you know. Ideally, you want to make a marquee signing after winning the Champions League, and unfortunately, because his name's Danny Ings and he's from Winchester, he's not exactly the marquee signing that everyone thinks. But I think you got a really solid centre forward there, someone we've been linked with. Um, we didn't make a single sign after winning the Champions League, and we won the league. Yeah, I, 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 so don't always have to do it. I know, but I think unfortunately, you've you had pretty much a pretty. Solid squad at that point. We're missing 
two key players, I think. Um, and it's just a case of going for that. I think, and I think realistically, unless we sign that centre forward, you know, City and Liverpool have two stronger, well, two stronger starting 11s. I think the squad depth is still an issue for you guys. And I mean, that's that was proven last season. Um, but I think you know we've we've got the depth to try and push for a title. But I don't think we have the you know the key components up front to to really go for it. I think Timo Werner, uh, Mason Mount, and uh, Havertz are you know a great front three are great options. You're going to got Ziyech as another player as well. But the fact that we've lost Giroud already as that someone who's just that focal point at centre forward, we we need to go and pick someone else up. Um, and that's 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 just the case with Chelsea. But I think you know at any time. This would be Chelsea's strongest point to make a transfer, um, but you know I think you know we, we're we're a more lucrative and attractive opportunity than City or Liverpool right now in terms of top clubs in the Premier League. I think if you were to do the you know, top ten one to twenty ranking right now, the most lucrative club is probably going to be Chelsea. If you want to you know go for a side which has got a building project and you know you're guaranteed you know certain level of football uh, or Manchester United if you want four hundred thousand pound a week. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to be, it's got to be done. And as, you know, as Matt was saying, we've got to see how the business shapes up in August. I, th- I, th- I think if we sign Haaland, that's when the market will go into motion because that's when, for example, you, I think mean, it's about it in January, you know, there's not really any key business done in January because none of the big clubs were making movements for those you know, all important signings in certain positions. And, you know, and as Matt has said, you know, Wolves need a centre forward. And I'm not saying that we'd have a direct impact on Wolves getting a centre forward, but the market would start shifting. Uh, it is a domino it's effect, a, isn't it, really? It, it's yeah. either Haaland or Ben White, isn't it? Because that's the other big big transfer of £50 million that's, that's kind of be touted. And then Brighton have got money. I, I think you're right. What about centre-back, Louis? Because what's your squad depth like there? Because obviously you've, you've sold Tomori, haven't you, to, to AC Milan? Oh, don't get me started on that. I struggle at the world. Okay, but, I'm, but I'm, I, I, I'm unaware what your other options are besides revenue at the wall. What the wall? <laughs> oh, oh, besides, listen, <laughs> on our wall, yeah, we've got um, you got Andres Christian, yeah, uh, Tony Rudiger, uh, oh, yeah. you've got Thiago, Silva. Thiago Silva, mm-hmm. you've got Aspilicueta, you've got Rhys James if he wants to move into there. Okay. Yeah, we, we've got options, yeah. Um, I don't think we need another centre back. I think if we'd signed uh, Hakimi, which was being touted, I think we might have seen, um, you know, Reece James maybe move into midfield or move into that centre back spot. Um, but right, right now, I think you know we, we've got the options at the back. It is literally just a defence midfielder and a centre forward. That's all we need. Interesting, interesting. Holland would be nice though, wouldn't it? Because you, you, you obviously have him for a longer time, but also I think I think is this right, Louis? The deal is. Next season, he's got a buyout clause for seventy-five million. In which case, yeah. you'd just be competing with loads of other teams to get given the best deal, best wages, best project. Whereas now, I think that's why you're going for him because you just cut all that shit out, and it is a lot of money. But then you've got to forward for ten years, then arguably. Well, that, that's it. I think I think there would be a clause in the contract which would be, you know, we have him for definitely for a certain amount of years. Um, because I mean, let's be honest, we could have him pay one hundred thirty million, but considering like that would have. A similar impact on the market that I feel Neymar had in terms of just blowing prices out of the water. So if you so if we sign Haaland for 130 million, age 20, you're going to be seeing players like Danny Ings who are probably valued at 40, 50 million now by their clubs if they want to move to another Premier League team. Yeah. Skyrocket to 60, 70. 
So it's kind of one of those where I think if if you if we make the move in the market now, we'll get the job done. We'll have him for a set amount of years and then look to replace because Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern clubs bigger than Chelsea will come calling. Um, it's, in, it's interesting, Ross, isn't it? How like because Lou was saying there, you know, oh, I think Liverpool have Liverpool and City have stronger 11s and. You know, I, I think we're still a few players short. It's just like the perception of football fans. Because I like if I had a, if I had money now, I would put Chelsea money on Chelsea to finish above Liverpool next season. But I don't know, and maybe Liverpool tells in a minute. But like he might think the opposite. I think it's just a, a whole football fan mentality of we're in the worst position, we're not yeah. as good as the others, and all of that. I think it's the recency bias, not turn of Chelsea's format. He said they just won the Champions League, so you can't you can't immediately discount them. They're, they're mm. a good side. They've got the foundations there. They've got a really good manager. It was just a, a bit different for Chelsea. And well, obviously Louis, Louis knows this because they were they were poor under, under Frank. But you can see how quickly things can change and can upturn. You know, like Louis says, couple of additions to the squad, a fresh start, a pre-season under Tuchel. He can work on his tactics, his management style. You know, the players that he wants, players that he wants to get rid of, arguably at, at the same time as well, and start afresh. And they go, we've just won a Champions League. Having fans back, so that, you know, they've got. A, I think you're having a parade, aren't you? Are you having a parade at the Champions League and a friendly against Tottenham? It is fucking brilliant. It is. Yeah. The, the cows are <laughs> off. Yeah. I just think, yeah. I love it. Um, so, but, but everything's going, everything, you know, if you've got stuff behind you going that way and it motivates you and you, you've got the confidence, there's no, there's no reason why Chelsea can't be in the conversation for the title next season, I don't think. I, it's, it's purely down to the lack of centre forward. When you, as, as Ben touched on, our top goal scorer was Jorginho with seven. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it wasn't a case of we had loads of goals coming from everywhere around the squad. Well, Timo Werner could finish his fucking dinner. He'd be in, wouldn't it? <laughs> Timo's Werner. He'd been 3 0 up in 20 minutes in the Champions League. Oh, no, his, his record was actually quite good, but he just missed loads of sitters. But if he, I'm saying if he put them away, be, you know, we wouldn't be having a conversation about him. Yeah, yeah, I think he will. Yeah. He's gonna be, I, I reckon he'll do really well this season. Um, you know, that's so why Why do you want Haaland? Because Timo Timo Werner's not. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, not yeah. that was a silly <laughs> question. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like Timo Werner's on an out and out set the forward on his own. He played when he saw the best of him. He was playing off of somebody. You know, look at Leipzig. You know, he's playing off of Christian Poulsen. Um, you know, when he played for Germany, he's had someone to play off of sometimes as well. And that's when you've seen the best of him. Um, we don't have that option, unfortunately. You know, we, we've got Havertz who can play a great false nine, but he's not someone who's going to play off of. You know, Timo Werner consistently, I don't think. Why is, why is Tabby not cutting it then? Because Tabby was great the season before when you had your transfer embargo and he was getting regular game time, which was the same thing that happened with Danny Ings. He's he's not any good at holding the ball. He can't hold the ball to save his life. Um, he's great in the box, don't get me wrong. He'll bang him in, but that's not how we play. You know, we, you, you've got someone who kind of holds the ball and links it up up front. Um who then allows Timo Werner, Mason Mount, Ziyech, Havertz, whoever it is playing off of them, to go and, and make the difference. Um, but we, you know, Tammy just doesn't do that. You know, for a guy who's six foot two, six foot three, and he can't hold the ball up, that's awful. Um, yeah. Great finisher in the box. Don't get me wrong. I think he, he's proven to be good at that. But it's the same with Mitchy Batshuayi. Mitchy Batshuayi, you know, you, you was it? I think Jeremy was saying, "Oh, he's the best finisher I've ever seen." But he doesn't do anything else, you know. And if, if you're a centre forward doing that and you're scoring 30 goals a season, fine, you can get away with it because you're making a big difference in terms of the goals you're scoring. Tammy Abraham has scored a max of 15. 
I, like, you know, that's 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 not anything where I look at. And go, it's good. Oh, yeah. It's good as rotation, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know what I mean. You, uh, what about you, Matt? Um, you know, over as as more of a neutral. Um, how do you sort of judge all the big guns at the moment? You know, obviously because we had the conversation about Man United last week. It looks like it's yeah. breaking today. They're getting even closer to signing Varane. Um, you know, they they've obviously finally signed Jaden Sancho. Thank fuck for that because they'll yeah. stop they'll stop talking about it. I think. Um, so you know, it looks like it's going to be a top four potentially of of Liverpool, uh, Man City, Chelsea, Man United in whatever order. You've got Leicester also knocking about there. Obviously, you know Nuno better than we do, so you might yeah. be able to predict a little bit better how he's going to do at Tottenham. But I wouldn't expect necessarily Tottenham to be there just yet, and that also depends on the future of Harry Kane. Um, does the future of the title, does the fate of the title this season actually depend on that transfer if Harry Kane goes to Man City? Are we all just basically going to have to go, oh, good night, that's it? Um, and if he stays at Tottenham, is that a little bit more open perhaps than in previous seasons? I don't know, because I think even with Kane at Tottenham, I don't think they're going to finish in the top four. Um, it's interesting you're talking about Haaland. I think Kane's a lot more suited to to Man City. Uh, I, remember, I remember reading an, an article about Haaland and, and the move to City, and he, he doesn't really touch the ball that much. And to play in City side, you need you need your centre forward to be having a load of touches. So I think that's probably why they preferred Kane. It's, it's going to be really interesting. I think Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City are going to be up there, and then fourth place could be could be anyone's. Leicester have done some fantastic business in signing Samara and Pats and Daka. I think I think that's some really smart business as they do every year. But yeah, I think the top three rights itself. I think City will win the league again. Um, but that top, that fourth place, it, it, it took the grabs for anyone. But I can't see Spurs. I can't see Spurs getting into the top four. Not not under Nuno in his first season. I mean, they signed Hill today, haven't they? Which is a good signing. But I just I just can't see him. I can't see him. I can't see him scoring enough goals. Do you think there's a chance that they sell Harry Kane and try and sign Jimenez as a replacement? I don't think anyone would go near Jimenez, mate. Not after that injury. No, it, yeah, he's, he's looking shame, he's, isn't he's, it? He's looking really sharp in pre-season. Now it's it's fantastic to see, but it's a massive risk, isn't it? Um, I, I I can't I can't see him going after him and as I think they'll yeah. go after someone like like Danny Ings if Kane goes. But I really don't know whether he's going to go or not. Daniel Levy seems to be stuck in his his way that he he's definitely not leaving. But I think if someone offers him 130, 140 million, he'll go. If if City sign Grealish and Kane, which I think they'll sign Grealish anyway. Be very interesting to see how many points they win the season, but uh, win league by next season. <laughs> it's, um, it's interesting that Son signed a new contract over the weekend because that was like a question that I had in my mind. If if Harry Kane goes, then what's what's Son's ambition? Mm. You know, have they said that Harry Kane's staying, so it's made him sign a new contract? As he said, Harry Kane's going. You're going to be the main man. We're going to invest the, invest in the squad and do all this. Be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I think, that, I, think, um, I think the tide will turn though next season after if Kane stays one more season. He's only got two years left on his deal. Spurs will cash in. So if he's not gone this season, he'll go next season. Yeah, 100%. And when he goes to Manchester City and they sign Jack Grealish as well. Man, Man City don't go for Haaland. You know. Well, no, to be honest, I think Matt makes a good point about Haaland. I think, you know, think about all the Kane work Kane does off the ball. Think about, like, because of the, uh, his age and, like, his injury record, he's got to come and he's got to go and get the ball and he's got to come and he's got to make things happen for himself and he does that I mean we saw it for England in the final mm. the way that he, he starts that move he drops right the way deep for that goal he picks up the ball he spreads out to Trippier that's what he does and he's been doing it for top all season I think Pep Guardiola will be lapping that up mm. I think yeah but at the same it. time we, what we've not touched on with that final is he was doing that for the rest of the game and then whenever you needed somebody in the box that final cross he wasn't there 
You know, if I don't he, if think he, that's down to him, though. I think that's down to the system. He, he, he dropped too deep as a centre forward. He didn't. He picked the ball up and then he didn't make his way into the box. Yeah, the whole team dropped. To be fair, they scored a goal and they just went to settle for it. Yeah, but, you, yeah, but, you're, yeah. but you're right; it does happen. He, he's, you know, yeah. he, if he's going to be dropping deeper, you know, in fact, he doesn't even need to. But he he's got to be in the box to finish his dinner realistically, and but he has to link up the play. But then he has to make that decision about how deep he goes. The problem for England was he was playing like he played for Spurs. He was base he was basically playing most of the most of the tournament as a centre midfielder. Yeah, but, but City City have wingers and forward midfield players good to enough to get ahead of him yeah. and and tuck away the shot. I mean, that's how Liverpool operate. Firmino isn't... And I know Harry Kane is a much better striker and finisher than Firmino, but that's why I think, actually, Harry Kane would be brilliant for Liverpool because he can do that role. And when he does get into the box, like Firmino does, the one thing that lets Firmino down, particularly over the last couple of seasons, has been kind of his, his, his finishing. He can be very good at it, but he's not consistent enough. Now, imagine if Roberto Firmino had Harry Kane's finishing, we'd be running away with the league, to be perfectly honest. So that that's why I think... Guardiola likes to play like that when he's got Sterling and Mares and Bernardo Silva and potentially Jack fucking Grealish if they get hold of him as well. Um, you know, they, they'll they'll be they'll be laughing. If you buy them two, what's the point? I what's, know we might as well just stop. I, I mean, what's, I'm, yeah. what's, what's the point in the transfer market? What do you mean? What from a financial fair play perspective? Or well, just... If they can afford to buy them two in one season, what is the fucking point? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. Honestly, the, the, the point is that loving football has been drilled into us from a very early age and we can't turn it off, unfortunately. No. <laughs> Go on. They're scrapping FFP. Somebody going to say something? I don't know, mate. I mean, it didn't fucking exist in the first place by the looks of it. Um, the 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 Premier the Premier League are now doing their own investigations and something might come of that, but I've not got the energy to even read the fucking paperwork. To be honest, it's all a waste of time. Yeah. Would you like to see what the La Liga ruling in this country? What the the um like their FFP. the release clause? Yeah. Um, no, it's like they, they can only spend so much on what they earn. Um, which is, I don't know. It's that like either. a strict FFP. Oh, right, so okay. Barcelona sells someone for hundred million pounds. Is that why Barcelona and Real Madrid are in the shitter? <laughs> Well, because they've just been fucking spunking money for the past 10 years anyway. Yeah. And normally they get bailed out, but they don't think they will do this time. Right, interesting. Um, I think Germany's got a similar model, but I've, I, I think for the small, it stops the, the smaller clubs from growing and it just makes the, the, the bigger clubs like Bayern Munich more, even more powerful. So I, I, I wouldn't want that. It, it, I think you can yeah. only spend what you, what, what you generate, but it's a mess anyway, mate. There's, there's, there's loopholes everywhere. Yeah, and the, and the problem is when you're Man City and you've got lawyers that are good enough to exploit those loopholes. Busier than their front four, aren't um, they? Well, exactly. Mm. Um, look, we're wrapping up there, guys. Thanks very much for joining us. Go and check out Matt Cooper Bites. Come six on. o'clock oh. on the evening. If you're listening, shut up now. Yeah. Six o'clock tonight, Louis. Look at Louis's oh, face. Yeah. <laughs> look at <laughs> <laughs> fucking Louis. They got whiplash in his seat. Then. <laughs> um, I'm in Birmingham for the bank for the bank holiday weekend this week, so I'm. Oh, there oh, you go. Like Tandoori mixed grills, mate. They're all the rave up there. Drop me a shout. It's on me if you come up, mate. Get you on oh. the episode. I'm going edge bastard, mate. It's in the 100. I'm gassed. Yes. Love that, mate. <laughs> love that. I'm looking forward to those updates. Yeah. Um, yeah thank you very much, everybody, um, for listening. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Louis. Thanks, Matt. Oh, we'll be at. Louis, Louis, Louis can have some orange chips as well. Yeah, he can. You won't even know what they are. Don't tell him. Just, just, just let him come up. And no, 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 no. Just no, no, Google no. them. Orange chips. <laughs> See you next time, Terrell. <laughs>